Yeah, so she's the most beautiful woman. She'll be right out there in the, uh, in the foyer uh, after service. Good morning. It's a good day to be in the house, is it not? Yeah. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that you guys are here today. I'm glad for everybody who's joining us live stream this morning. Uh, man, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. Yes? Yes? Uh, before we get started this morning, I received an email from Paula Parker. This week, you remember we announced uh, about uh, little Josie, who is Nathan and Anna Owen's baby. Uh, she will have the first of two skull surgeries this week. And so we want to pray for them. We want to pray over uh, Josie. So would you guys bow with me? Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are the great physician. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you with all of our needs, Father God. And right now we lift up baby Josie to you, God, and we lift up Nathan and Anna. God, this week, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would have a supernatural peace that would just reside over their hearts, Father God. I pray that you would be at the doctors, Father, and I pray that you would touch that baby in the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, be with them. God, we trust you with this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, we are beginning a new series today called Kingdom Seekers, okay? How many of you all are interested in seeking the kingdom of God? Anybody interested in seeking the kingdom of God? Yeah. And so we're going to start a new series today, and, uh, and I'm real excited about that. So let's stand together, and we're going to get right into the word. <clears throat> Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it brings life more than anything else that we can attach ourselves to. God, today I ask that our hearts would be in a position, God, to receive. I ask, Lord, today that we would be convicted by your Holy Spirit. I ask today, Father God, Lord, that the words that come from my mouth, Father, if they're from me, let them fall and be forgotten. But if they're from you, God, I pray that they would remain and that they would change our lives for eternity. We love you, God, and we're thankful for this kingdom to which we belong. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, just, uh, just a, a few weeks ago, uh, 
the a uh, few of the ladies here in the church went on a little woman's retreat, a little outing. And uh, very rarely does my wife trust, I mean, leave me with the kids all by myself. And, uh, and I, was, I, had the, I had the privilege and the opportunity of, of taking care of my, my, my baby girls. These are my girls, my baby girls, uh, for, uh, for a period of about 72 hours, 48, 72 hours. And uh, let me tell you something. There is nothing quite like your wife going out of town that enhances your appreciation for what she does every single day. And uh, so I, you know, I'm going into this not necessarily with trepidation and fear, but boy, you know, just like probably a lot of men, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's go, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be prepared. All week I was prepping and preparing, and my wife would look at me and say, yeah, I wish I had all that time to think about and pray, prepare for and plan for, right? And so I'm prepping, and I got all my, all my ducks in a row. I know what we're going to do. I've got the schedule mapped out. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna really rock this thing together, right? Did not go as planned. Um, so uh, that weekend was also the children's ministry event here where they had a movie night uh, under the stars. And we were excited. My girls were so excited. It was part of the plan for us to, to take, for me to take them uh, to that movie. And uh, I don't know about you, but boy, when we, when we as a family watch a movie, we like popcorn. Anybody here a popcorn fan? Yeah, man, I, I, love, I love some popcorn. And so um, if, you, if you've got multiple kids, you also probably are in a situation where uh, you're kids don't always like the same thing, right? Everybody's got a little bit of a different flavor, a little bit of a different taste, right? And so at the O'Day house, you know, there are sometimes several different types of popcorn that we will pop. You know, we've got kettle corn, we've got butter lovers, right? You've got uh, no butter and just salt, right? Caramel. So there's different types of popcorn that you can pop. And so I thought, you know, being the great dad I am, I thought I'm going to give a variety to my kids. You know, I'm going to supply what they would like, you know, and so I'm asking them what kind of popcorn they'd like. And we, we had gone home. I knew exactly how much time we had to get ready. I wanted to feed them dinner. We're going to go to this movie. We're going to eat popcorn. We're going to have a good time. And so they're getting their shoes on and I'm popping the popcorn and I'm getting the different types out. And I've got these gallon-sized Ziploc bags, okay? Gallon-sized Ziploc bags are awesome, by the way. And so I've got these gallon-sized Ziploc bags and I'm going to take this popcorn and I'm, and I'm dumping the popcorn into the Ziploc bag so that it won't spill everywhere, right? Sounds like a good idea, yeah? And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm dividing the popcorn, and of course, I'm making sure the butter doesn't touch the kettle, doesn't catch the, touch the caramel, because you know, if it did, my kids would go absolutely nuts, right? And so I'm putting them in their individual bags, and I'm, and I'm labeling them and getting them in the bag and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear this screeching scream and cry from my daughter, Lucia. And I look over at Lucia, and she's put her hand over her mouth and she has blood just coming all down her face, just blood just streaming down. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Daddy, daddy, I lost my tooth. I lost my tooth. And so little Lucia has been just, she's got this tooth that's been just hanging on by, I just wanted to go boop you know, pop it out, but she's wanting it to last for every little bit that it can in her mouth. But it finally fell out and it caused blood. And, you know, my other daughters, you know, they're okay with, with blood, but Lucia, boy, when she sees blood, it's, it's over, right? Okay. So she's having a little bit of a meltdown and she's got blood coming out of her mouth and I give her some salt water, I let her gargle and, and swoosh the, the salt water. And, and I, and I, do what best parents do. I distract her from what's happening in front of her, right? You know, I just, just with some distraction. And I say to her, Lucia, this is so exciting. 
That tooth, boy, I bet that tooth has some value. Boy, I bet that tooth right there. You know what I want you to do? We got to take this tooth. I want you to put it in one of these Ziploc bags. And when we get home, we'll put it under your pillow, okay? And so she, so she takes her tooth and she's so excited because she's thinking about her tooth. And boy, I wonder what I'm going to get under my pillow because see, this was the second tooth and the first tooth already happened. So she already had some background, right? She already had some foreknowledge of what this meant. And so I said, let's just put it in there. And I, I got her distracted. And all of a sudden she's okay. And so she's putting on her shoes and I continue to put the bags of popcorn in the bags as I'm getting ready for the kids. And so I get them all in the, in the, in the big bag with the bottles of water and the wipes and the diapers for Nora and all of these things. And we're ready to go. And I'm just right on schedule. That was a little bit of a setback because I like to be places early, but boy, that's going to put us right on time. And all of a sudden I just hear Lucy start crying out and sobbing. And I'm like, Lucy, what's wrong? What's wrong? Daddy, where's my my tooth. I can't find my tooth. And I said, well, Lucy, I told you to put it in the Ziploc bag and put it right there. And I go, I did. I did. It's not here. I totally put the popcorn in one of the bags with her tooth in it. Okay. So now I've got six bags of popcorn, gallon-sized bags of popcorn, and I'm picking them up like this, thinking, oh man, which one is her tooth? And she's over here crying because she wants her tooth, and I'm thinking, we've got to go because we're going to be late, right? So I'm picking up all of these bags, and I'm looking at Lucy, and here's the thing. Lucy has assigned value to the tooth. So I have to take these bags of popcorn, and I have to find this tooth. So what I do is I start to open, and I start to shuffle and sift the popcorn, handful by, this is a baby tooth, not an adult tooth, this is a, a baby tooth, right? So here I go, I got a bowl, and I'm sifting this popcorn, trying to find this tooth, all the different kinds, sifting it, and of course, the tooth was in what? The last bag, right? Okay, it's the last bag. I found the tooth, and now I'm left with this big bowl of mixed popcorn <laughs> that I'd worked so hard on separating so that my kids did not lose their minds, right? Okay. And so we go. And so that, so the popcorn being mixed led to another story for another time that was a little bit tragic. And I'll tell you that some other time. But I was focused a little bit. The Lord was speaking to me about this tooth because Lucy had assigned value to it. Today, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is valuable. The kingdom of God is valuable. And sometimes we can be rushing through life, looking at everything and the kingdom of God be so accessible to us, but we don't take the time to sift out our garbage to find the value at the bottom of the bag. Are you with me? And so, and so this value of the kingdom, I want us to understand that the, the kingdom of God is so valuable. In fact, the thing that Jesus talked most about in the gospels is the kingdom of God. I'm here to encourage those who don't know and to remind those who have forgotten that you belong to a kingdom. You belong to a kingdom and the kingdom of God has value. So let's look at the kingdom of God and some of the points within the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Well, the story of the gospel, the story of the Bible is really the story of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God with us. God with us. In Genesis, in the garden, before the fall, God was with Adam and Eve. And then the fall happens and God says, I've got to make a way to be with them right? 
And then we look further into scripture and we see the tabernacle and God made his dwelling place with them. And then Jesus comes and he walks along with everybody. He wanted to be with us. And then he's going to come, the Bible tells us that he's gonna split the sky and he's gonna come back again so that what? He can be with us. So the story of the gospel, the kingdom of God is a story about God desiring to be with us. It is also a story about God's sovereignty. The kingdom of God is God's sovereignty, God's rule and reign over our lives. How many know that God's plan for your life is so much better than any plan you can come up with? I certainly know that his plan is much better for my life than the plans that I've had for my life. So the kingdom of God is is God's sovereignty, his rule and reign over his kingdom and over our lives. The kingdom of God is God's righteousness, his peace and his joy. Not our righteousness, because the Bible tells us that our righteousness is compared to filthy rags. You seen a filthy rag before? I've got kids, I've got lots of filthy rags, right? Our righteousness is compared to filthy rags. But his righteousness is good. His righteousness, his peace, there is nothing better than the supernatural peace of God. Supernatural peace of God and his joy, his joy that we draw on for our strength. God's righteousness, peace, and joy. And the kingdom of God is also God eternal. God eternal. His kingdom is never going to end. In Luke chapter one, we read the story where the angel appears to Mary and he says, in your womb, you're gonna deliver this savior. And he's coming to establish a kingdom that will never end. His kingdom is here to stay. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom is eternal. And so these are the points of of the kingdom of God that I want us to grasp today. I want us to understand uh, today. If you're in this room and sitting underneath the sound of my voice, there is a strong likelihood that you are the citizen, a citizen rather, of the United States of America. If you're here and you're you're in America, most likely, I think it's probably 100%, okay? You are a citizen of the United States of America. Now, I picked up this week a copy of the Constitution of the United States and a copy of the Declaration of Independence, okay? So if you are a citizen of the United States, then you are tasked with the responsibility to up, not just uphold, but to defend the Constitution of the United States. That's what the citizenship of the United States means. Now, I'm looking at, so, so the Constitution, I thought about that. What does Constitution really mean? What is the definition? So Constitution is this. It is a body of fundamental principles or established precedents a body of fundamental principles or established precedents. So over 200 years ago, there were people who fought and died so that we could establish this constitution, right? So that we could have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? On a a parallel uh, story vein, Over 2,000 years ago, there was a God who came to earth and he laid down and gave up his life, right? He gave up his life so that we could have his kingdom, so that he could establish his kingdom, so that we could become citizens of his kingdom. 
right? Are you with me? Okay. So it stands to reason that if the Constitution is a body of fundamental principles or established precedents, it stands to reason to me that if I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, this is my Constitution. This is my Constitution. So if the Bible is the constitution of the kingdom of God, and I actually read the constitution that is of the kingdom of God, it tells me that the constitution of the kingdom of God supersedes all constitutions in this land or any other land. And so we have a conflict here, do we not? We have a conflict here because I've been tasked with the responsibility to uphold and defend this constitution but I belong to the kingdom of God, and this is supposed to be my constitution. How do the two coincide together? How do these two things work together? There seems to be a little bit of a conflict here. I wanna talk about that today, can I? Okay. Now I want you to know that I am thankful for this constitution. Thankful for this constitution. The reason I'm thankful for this constitution is because I get to stand up here and preach to you without a gun stuck to my head because of this constitution. I get to proclaim the great news of Jesus Christ without having to worry about being shot going outside that door. I have a right to proclaim the good news and the truth of the kingdom of God because of this constitution. The problem with this constitution is that not only do I have the right to proclaim the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ, is that everybody else has the freedom and the privilege of proclaiming whatever gospel they want to proclaim as well. And so you've got this constitution that is, that is, that is, that is over, over us, and, uh, and you've got this constitution that is over us. And, and here's the difference. This constitution gives us the freedom to take up our rights. This constitution invites us to lay those rights down. This constitution invites us to lay those rights down. And so I was, I was mulling this over. I was talking with the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, I'm still, I'm still kind of conflicted here because of these two things. And, and we're just in a, a very interesting season uh, in, in, our, in our culture right now, Lord. And I just, I just need you to, to help me. And what the Lord began to speak to me, says he, he said, Kevin, what, what needs to happen is the church needs to begin to prioritize their identity, prioritize their identity. And he gave me a message. Somebody actually gave me a, a message to listen to, and it was this past week, and it could not be more, more within timing of what God wanted to do because I needed to hear this to understand this principle that I believe that God wants us to get here today. I'd like you to read this sentence to yourself. I am an American Christian. I am an American Christian. Now, I am an educator. I've been an educator. I've been in education. And part of our job as educators, especially in the area of English, is to instruct kids into learning about written expression and the parts of speech. And when I look at this sentence and I look at the different parts of speech, the subject being I, right? Okay. The verb being am, right? Okay. What part of speech is the underlined word? What is it? It is an adjective. If you said adjective, that would be correct. Now, the great thing, and I love written expression, 
okay? I love the written expression because every word in a sentence has a job to perform, right? Every word in a sentence has a job to perform. The job of an adjective is to modify, to describe, right? It's to modify or to describe or to change the noun. So the job of an adjective is to modify, to describe, or to change the noun. And so when I look at this sentence, if American is my adjective and Christian is my noun, it tells me that my Christian must be submitted to my American. Are you with me? So you could replace that with, I am a male Christian. I am a female Christian. I am a white Christian. I am a black Christian. I am a Republican Christian. I am a Democratic Christian. I am an independent Christian. You could fill that with a whole litany of adjectives to describe your Christian. And therein lies the problem. The reason that we have division in the church, the reason we have division in times such as these is because we are allowing everything to describe our Christian instead of putting Christian in the adjective spot to describe who we are. And so what it should be is I am a Christian American. I am a Christian who happens to be male. I am Christian who happens to be female. I am a Christian who happens to be white, who happens to be black and fill in the blank. Because when you filter through Christian, then things become real clear and real easy real quick. The problem that we have, church, is that we are using our culture, our creed, our traditions, our history, what people say to describe who we are as Christians, as opposed to say, I am a Christian and this is how I filter all of those other things. So your answer to this question, if this was a question, your response to these sentences, wherever you place on this, on this, on this screen, has everything to do with how you approach this election. Has everything to do with how you approach this election. When we went down the road of crafting out what we're going to do for the series this year, the Holy Spirit dropped this particular series in my heart for one particular reason, because I believe the Holy Spirit is grieved. He is grieved. And let me tell you why I believe the Holy Spirit is grieved. I believe the Holy Spirit is grieved because when the pandemic happened, so many believers took their eyes off of him and put it on the pandemic. And then follow it by the election. So many people took their eyes off of him and put it on the election. Do you know the number one tactic used by both parties, three parties, whatever the parties are, the number one tactic used and politics to get your vote is fear. The number one tactic used is fear. And so the Holy Spirit put this on my heart because I believe the very Spirit of God is grieved that we are ordering our lives, that we are paying attention, that we are taking note, that we are standing up, that we are rising up, that we are becoming divisive because of fear. Because of fear. And so we have succumbed to the number one tactic in campaigns and what's going on in the world. I do not like when Christians stand up and say, these are uncertain times. If you're looking through a world's lens, it has always been uncertain times. But when you're looking through a lens of the kingdom of God, we have some certain things we can stand on that do not change. 
God is on the throne and God is in control. So here's the point. Fear does not govern your decisions. Faith does. Fear does not govern our decisions. Faith does. The Bible tells us about faith. If you belong to the kingdom of God, which I believe that a majority of you do, then there should be this innate responsibility or calling to want to please the king of that kingdom. There is only one way that you can please God. And it says it right here. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me make a correction. There's many ways you can please God. This is a way. It's by having faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we must order our lives and walk forward as people who have great faith that he is going to accomplish and do everything that he said he was going to do on this globe. So assuming that you have checked this box, assuming that you're saying that you are a, a you filter the you filter your life through the Christian vortex, right? Through the adjective that describes everything else being Christian, assuming that that's your posture, not only are our decisions not governed by fear, but as a citizen of the kingdom of God, we have been instructed on how to respond to those in authority over us, whether we like them or not. So the constitution of the kingdom of God says this, let everyone be subject to obey the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And I love what Paul does here. In case you didn't miss it the first time, in case you missed it the first time, let me say it again. The authorities that exist have been established by God. He repeats himself. So the authorities in our lives here on earth have been established by God, whether you like them or not, whether you support them or not, whether they, whether they do the things you like them to do, say the things, whether they act, whatever it is. The authority on earth has been established by God. It doesn't stop there. And okay, I, I can, okay, God put, a, God put that person there. God's having that person run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's more. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. We have been commissioned to pray for our leaders. Whether you like them, whether you support them is not a prerequisite to the obedience, right? Found in scripture, which is our constitution of living in the kingdom of God. If you wonder why Kevin O'Day does not plaster my Facebook with politics and my opinions, is because I have failed so much at this principle that if you came and asked me about what I thought about going on, what was going on, all you would get is my opinion and it would lead you straight down to the pit. My opinion is worth, okay? I need to grow in this area of praying for those who are in authority over me, praying for the governing authorities. But guys, guess what? It doesn't stop there. It continues. You ready for another one? Here we go. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, if your adjective's not in the right place, this doesn't matter. 
It's only if your adjective's in the right place. It's only if you're a citizen of the kingdom and you ascribe to the constitution of the kingdom of God. I messed this up within five, I was in the shower this week. I was with a group of friends and the Lord was ministering. He gave me this verse. And I'm like, God, I don't understand what, like, Lord, I don't, I haven't like said anything bad about, about anybody, right? And I get out of the shower, I put on my clothes and within five minutes, five minutes, unwholesome talk. Put a jab at a friend. It was a good jab. Put a jab at a friend, right? Put a jab at a friend and the, and the Holy Spirit said, there it is. It's like that tooth at the bottom of the popcorn bag. It can happen so quick. It can get lost in all the muddle of everything going around you. If everybody else is talking unwholesomely, why don't I just do it? I can fall right into that. You are called to be the exception. You are called to be that valuable tooth, the kingdom of, of God. You belong to the kingdom and as such, your actions should reflect the kingdom to which you belong. What you say, what you do, what you write, how you act should be a reflection. When people look at what you say about anything, can they attach it to the kingdom of God? So this lends us to the question, do I vote? Do I vote? Well, I wanna encourage you to vote. I'm gonna vote. I wanna encourage you to vote because there are people who lost their lives so that we would have the awesome privilege of voting in this democracy. And so I do wanna encourage you to go and, and, and do your civic duty of, of voting. But probably more, the more gut-riching question that a lot of Christians ask is, who do I vote for? Now I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you that you need to ask the one to whose kingdom you belong. If your adjective is in the right place and you ascribe to the kingdom of God with a king who establishes all authority on the earth, then I guarantee you, he will give you some insight on who you're supposed to vote with. He doesn't need Fox's input. He doesn't need CNN's input. He doesn't need your friend's input. He doesn't need Facebook for sure input. All you have to do is ask and he will tell you. And then I encourage you, take that information, go and vote, and then ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to exercise self-control to not talk about it. And then go on about your life. Why? Because the kingdom of God stands no matter whom we elect. The kingdom of God stands regardless of who is in that office. So what's the Holy Spirit telling you to do? There's a lot of choices. I've got, a ballot. I got the ballot right here, printed it out. Everybody that I have an option to vote for right here. And as I look at these people on this list, boy, there are a lot of experience. There's a lot of things that I see in some of these people. A lot of these people I don't actually know. Um, but there's, there's a lot of people trying their best to do some positive in this world. There's one thing I cannot find, no matter how hard I search these ballots, there's one thing I can't find, and that's hope. That's hope. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. 
Your hope is in Jesus Christ, who gave us a very specific directive with regard to how we are to prioritize and to live our lives. And it was this, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Worship team, you can come. Seek first the kingdom of God. Guys, if your Christian is not in the right place in that sentence, it's gonna be very hard for you to seek first the kingdom of God because everything else is going to stand in the way. But boy, if that Christian is in that right spot and things are in order the way they're supposed to be, then you will be able to seek first the kingdom of God and find things that you never found before. You have no reason to worry because you belong to a kingdom. But more importantly, you belong to a king. And you, you belong to a king who wants to be with you. You have a king who wants to rule and reign over your life. You have a king who wants to bestow upon you righteousness, peace, and joy. And you have a king whose kingdom is never going to end. You belong to a kingdom. And when Jesus was here, the king of our kingdom, when he was here in person, he left us one thing that the world will never be able to give you. And that was this, peace. Peace I leave with you, says Jesus. My peace I give to you. I don't give it to you like the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You belong to a kingdom. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna explore what it's like to live within these, this kingdom. I challenge you today as you leave and this week to chew on, Lord, where's, where's my priority? Do I need to make some shifts in my sentence structure of my life? I got things out of line and it has led to breeding, a breeding ground of frustration and division. God has peace for you. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to worship. The, king, the kingdom of God would not be available to us had Jesus not come and did what he did for us. And so as you come this morning to partake of the elements, let's remember, let's remember the sacrifice that he made for our lives. Come be served at the table.